Hello out in Facebook land. My name is Pat Kenny with Barnum Financial. I am joined by our good friend, Mr. Greg Anthopoff from InSource Accounting, CPA over in Waterford, and the most famous person on, on the session, our friend Nicole White uh, of One and Company. Uh, we are picking up what was an interesting conversation we were having on Real Estate Radio on Saturday. If you missed that, make sure you check out the podcast so you can listen back to that. I just broke a huge COVID rule by touching my face. I hope I'm not saying yeah. Example for everyone. Goodness, it's so hard not to do it. Uh, but we are going to dive into some of the things that are involved in the $2 trillion stimulus slash aid slash relief packet. Uh, Nicole, I don't know how much of this you were uh, tuning into on Saturday. It's some pretty crazy stuff. Greg has taken uh, a pretty serious lead on reading a lot of this stuff. Uh, obviously, it's very impactful to local businesses in the area. Obviously, all three of us, uh, as well as our friend Byron, who's, who's facing technical difficulties, but is attempting to fight his way on, uh, we're all pretty directly impacted. I mean, obviously, this this pandemic has taken a huge toll uh, on everyone. Obviously, health is, is by, by far the most uh, significantly impacted, but, oh, hey. but uh, obviously, the world of the economy is also kind of in some trouble. So we had a really good conversation on Saturday. I don't know. Byron, Byron has the best equipped studio by far, but I think the lowest dial-up speed I've ever seen. Listen, I don't know what's going on. The world might really be coming uh, to an end here because the internet crashed in Niantic, which makes me but that's very upset. That's, I can't believe we're, we're in 2020. The one thing you need to have working is the internet, and it just doesn't. That's, you got to have the internet to make it through this. That's for, that's for <laughs> damn sure. So we're giving a little recap on, obviously, what Saturday's kind of session covered. Um, you know, we're, I'm trying to do my best Byron Lazine. Uh, I didn't wear a hat, which is, I feel like you've been doing more recently, but, um, you know, diving Get in. Get away with the hat right now. That's, for that's sure. what happens when you don't shower every day, you know? <laughs> I'm definitely showered today. I've been taking two showers because if I leave the house for, you know, eggs and milk, I take a shower when I get home. Have to. And just burn all your clothes, I think. Isn't that the advice? <laughs> um, well, hopefully the some of that $2 trillion stimulus package will get us some more money to be able to buy some new clothes. Um Greg, you, you had done a little bit of the homework on this. Uh, Byron's already shaking his head. Well, I tried to order socks the other day on Amazon. It said like 21 days for socks. So like, because it's a non-essential item. So I don't even think you can get the clothes. But I feel like if you buy the Amazon name brand, because it actually is named essentials, they might make an exception for you. Oh, okay. All right. Probably not. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the some of the, the stuff you know we're talking about on Saturday is some of the, the finer details. And, and Greg, if you probably had a little bit more time now to dive in a little bit. Uh, I've actually was inspired by, by some of the stuff that you were sharing with us over the weekend. So I dove in a little bit as well, but um, really quick, very high level, the average American uh, regular kind of mom and pop stops versus uh, hourly employees, those kind of things. Can you give us just a quick little overview on some of the things that you, that people are going to start to see uh, now that it's officially law? Yeah. So the, the president signed the bill on Friday. We're now, it's now law. Uh, it's one of those things though, where, we're going to have to wait and see how certain things are interpreted. And, and there might be some language in the bill that contradicts each other, which is often the case. So it's up to the IRS and Treasury and a bunch of people to figure out what they actually meant when they passed the bill. Um, but for the everyday average American, there a portion of this is going to be a, a stimulus, for lack of a better term, uh, where a significant portion of the people in the country are going to be receiving checks. Um, for each adult, it's going to be $1,200. And for uh, a child under the age of 17, it'll be uh, $500. Um, if you're married and you make less than $150,000 a year, you'll be seeing that entire amount. Um, 
between $150,000 and $200,000 a year, you'll get some portion of that. And then above $200,000, unfortunately, you won't be receiving uh, any of that. And those numbers, if you happen to be single, would be half that. So $75,000 or less, you'll be getting a $1,200 check uh, between 75 and 100, a portion of it, and then uh, over 100,000, you won't see anything. So that's, that's the one that's gonna affect the most people in terms of uh, overall individual stimulus. Um, I know there's some, go Greg, ahead. What do you have to do to get the money? Is it just gonna show up in the mailbox? Like how are people gonna get the money? Yeah, so that's a, that's a good question. Um, what, the, uh, what the bill says is that they're gonna evaluate this based on your 2019 tax return. In the absence of that, they're gonna look at your 2018 tax return. What they're saying is, is if you've supplied the IRS with your bank account information, either because you've, you owed and you paid electronically or you were due a refund and you, you had that direct deposit, they're gonna use that bank account information to um, deliver you these payments. We don't know what the time frame is, though. They, they would like to do it in three weeks. Um, who knows how, how fast that's going to actually happen. Um, so in the absence of that, I don't know how they're going to reach out to taxpayers if they're going to just send you a check uh, to your last known address, um, which there, again, can, can be some issues. Generally, there's two ways to update your address with the IRS. Uh, one is when you file your tax return every year as an individual, they will take your address on that and it will update. Uh, and if not, you can actually send in a form like if you've moved mid-year. So actually, it's a good a good point of advice right now. If you have not filed your tax return yet, you don't intend to file it anytime soon for whatever reason, um, file the form. You're going to have to Google it. I'll, I'll, if I have a second um, when somebody else is talking, I'll look up the actual form number. Um, but you're going to want to fill that out and send it in. That way your check isn't going to an old address. And if it's now outside of six months and it won't get forwarded, you don't want to play that game. So What's that's super what we interesting here, though, is that if you do fall in those parameters in 2018, it's almost best for you to wait until that July 15th date now, right? Yes. Or vice versa. Like if you are now making less in 2019 than you did in 18, it almost makes sense to make sure you fast forward your taxes now instead of waiting, right? That, that's exactly it. That's the conversations I've been having with clients for the last three days and over the weekend is let's let me I know where you were in 18. Let's see where you are in 19 because I'm, we're having that sit discussion with everybody. If you qualified for 18, let's leave it alone right now. Um, but if you didn't qualify in 18 and, and you had a, you know, you didn't have as great a year in 19, let's file that return now. Now, I don't know when that snapshot, when the IRS is going to take that picture and say, okay, as of this date, we're going to look and see if you had a 19 return or an 18 return. So I'm actively filing returns for people today. I've been reaching out saying, get me your stuff. Let's get it in today um, to try to to try to take advantage of that. If, if you qualify under 19 and you didn't under 18. Right. Um, and it's worth noting, too, you brought that up. I don't want to gloss over it. The federal tax uh, deadline, both to file your tax returns for individuals and businesses, as well as to pay, has been moved to uh, July 15th. And so there's no penalty and in interest uh, accumulating or anything like that. You don't have to file or pay until then. Now, one thing also part of that conversation we're having is if you're in a situation where you are owed a refund, right now we know cash is king. So let's file the return now, get the refund. Um, and even if maybe we're getting a federal refund, but we owe the state, let's get the federal refund now and we have until July 15th to pay the state. And a little asterisk there, Connecticut did extend its deadline. So if anybody's tuning in from Connecticut, our deadlines are July 15th. 
Um, I will also provide a resource if you're in another state. Every state has different rules um, as to whether or not they're following the federal guidelines or not. And you don't have to sign, an ex there's no extension required for the July 15th. That is correct. Now, if you're somebody who normally waits until the October 15th extension, you are going to want to file an extension. Um, and this is something we still don't know about is if you know you want to file an extension, do it now before the April 15th. There's some question about the interpretation of the law, whether or not you need to have filed that extension by April 15th or if you have until the um, July 15th to file that extension. Okay. It's, it's simple to do. You can do it online for free yourself. Your accountant can do it with a couple clicks of a button. It's just, it's something you're going to want to have done. Right. And obviously if you do it before the October 15th date, there's no foul there either. So it's almost. As long as you file now, uh, uh, if you pay after July 15th, interest and penalties will begin to accrue again after uh, July 15th, because right. typically an extension on your tax return is an extension of time to file, not to pay. Even if you file, they still want it uh, to have the payment by April 15th, even though you don't file to October. If you're jumping into this stream right now and you're interested in the economy, the economy's uh, stimulus package, share this message. Uh, definitely give us some love. Give us some hearts, some thumbs up. But if you've got a question, we've got Greg Antipoff, CPA, with InSource, and we also have Pat Kenny, financial planner with Barnum Plans, on this on this clash of two worlds. Real estate radio meets one community conversations. This is a two for one here, an extension of our talk on Saturday on 94.9 on real estate radio. So if you do have a question, put it in the comments, and we'll take everybody's questions before we end the stream, uh, whether it's for Greg or Pat or for myself or for Nicole. Uh, if, if it has a real estate angle, we're, we're just gracious to have both of you guys on here because we're learning from you both, uh, you know, as we dig into what this means. Either one of you guys can answer this. This is more, you know, uh, I guess a projection. Who's going to pay for all this down the road? Is, is federal taxes going to go out? Like, what do you think? Like, who's going to pay $2.2 trillion at some point when we need to get this money back? Greg, no. <laughs> um, I mean, that, yeah, it's a good, it's a good, it's a, it's a good question. Um, I think we're kicking the can a little bit, but um, you know, it's a tough thing. It's, it's a conversation we have with clients all the time. Of are we solving short-term cash flow with long-term debt? Um, you know, which is never really a great idea, and vice versa. We don't want to solve long-term problems with short-term debt, like a, a credit card purchasing a house doesn't make sense. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, many mention is that it's going to be debt that's sort of passed along to our kids. And, and Pat can probably talk about, they're talking about floating a 50 year treasury now, which is mm -hmm. just at some 1% number, yeah. like it's just crazy. Yeah. So. Well, I think we're running into, you know, where we, we are better at adding things to the national deficit that I think we want to give ourselves credit for. And that's meant to sound sarcastic because we, we have, we built this habit and it's been administration upon administration upon administration. So this isn't the political view by any means of just continuing to, to write. I mean, listen, first of all, it's all fake money anyway, right? I mean, there's no actual, there's no currency behind it. There's no gold, there's no silver. There's no, it's nothing. It's, it's ones and zeros on a computer screen. And I think one of the things that, that is, is incredibly lost oftentimes in the impact of something that, that involves $2.3 trillion. First of all, the scale of that is unheard of. Um, you know, you add that to the Fed buying back 
uh, you know, call it one and a half trillion is kind of the round number between the two of those. Uh, when you add those numbers into the top of what we already carry as a national deficit, and we have literally borrowed 100% of national GDP annually that we owe ourselves. That's not even real money. So every every dollar we produce or every piece of product that we produce as a country, we have we are now going to be in debt as much as we produce, which is the first time it's ever happened. Now, again, that's a little bit more short term. The 2.2 trillion, I think, in and of itself, if you if you lose track of what impact that has on the family of three living in suburban Kansas or the small local businesses that are keeping allowed, the 2.3 trillion is really kind of left. Uh, Dr. David Kelly, who works for JP Morgan, uh, did a call earlier today because obviously we're paying a lot of attention to a lot of these things. There's a, there's a tremendous amount of talking heads because of how dramatically the economy has been impacted by this. This is the first financial crisis that wasn't actually finance driven. Uh, you know, the, the, the panic around COVID-19 has created an economic fallout, but it wasn't economics. It's not the 2008 mortgage crisis. It's not 1987. There, there's nothing actually fundamentally broken if, with the economy. It's the panic and the sp- obviously now the spending, the self-quarantine, all the measures we've had to take. The next couple of quarters, I think, are going to be very tough. You're going to see very large national companies and very small mom and pop companies that have to look at what the second quarter looked like for them. And they're not going to have any income. They're going to have so little reportable income that they're going to struggle. And that $2.3 trillion is really designed to leave the economy in kind of a suspended state of animation, right? They're just, they're stopping the free fall of going further. If you imagine 3.2 million people filed for unemployment last week, what that's going to look like if there wasn't $600 a week in additional aid if there wasn't small business loans available, if all of these dollars didn't get flooded back in, what would actually happen to the country and to the economy would be like nothing we've ever seen before. It would be so much, we would be back, we would actually be in the Great Depression all over again. So there's a, there is something in this stimulus package for small business owners, right? And, and I have, Nicole has a lot of passion for small, all of us do, small business owners. Uh, for a variety of reasons, I'm super passionate about the small business owner here locally. What's in it for the SBAs? Are they going to get any money? Is it a loan? Is it a grant? There's been a lot of uh, headlines and articles over the last couple of weeks. What's in this package for the SBAs? Yeah, so there is, um, the SBA has extended one of their loan programs. They call it 7A. I, I don't know exactly you know, what that means is just how they refer to it. They've expanded it to allow for what they're calling the Paycheck Protection Program or Paycheck Protection Plan. And basically what that is, what that is intended to do is um, it's going to be, as of right now, it's a one-time loan to a small business. They get two and a half times their average monthly payroll. Um, so for argument's sake, let's, let's pretend... Um, you know, you pay $10,000 a month to, to your various employees, you'd be able to get a loan for 200, or excuse me, $25,000. The idea there is to keep your employees on payroll. Um, and if you do that through an eight week period from the point when you close the loan, um, you continue to pay, you pay your employees, there will be, you can apply for forgiveness at the end of that eight weeks, where essentially it turns that loan into a grant. As long as you've utilized that loan to pay your employees, uh, to pay rents and to pay uh, utilities. Now, with that, if you if you um, furlough some of your employees or lay them off or fire them, that amount will be uh, sort of prorated because the idea is let's get everybody back to work. 
or at least everybody back on a paycheck. I, I say work because some people are, are, are forced to close by the state or their location where they're at. So they're not actually working, but they're still able to get a paycheck. And the idea is there's a number of reasons why they did that, but that that's the program. Now, what I, what I don't know, or I'll start with what I do know, is essentially any business owner who can attest that they were have been adversely affected by COVID-19 um, can apply for one of these loans and qualify for it. And that includes uh, business owners uh, with uh, 500 employees or less. This also includes sole proprietors. So uh, to the real estate community, if you're a realtor, you qualify also gig workers. Now, the caveat is the rules are very clear on the criteria to meet for forgiving if you have employees. It is very clear. However, what's not clear to me is if you are a realtor, for example, and you take advantage of this loan, it's not clear what the criteria they're going to use to uh, determine if a portion or all of it can be forgiven. That's something that uh, I'm if you're actually- a, If you're talking about if you're a single agent, is that what you're referring to at the end there? Yeah, yes, exactly. If you don't actually have quote unquote payroll, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to use as a criteria to determine how much or if there's a portion of that loan that can be forgiven. It's a hard one because it's like, especially as a realtor, I mean, you're 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 commission based, so it's like, it almost is like easy for them to claim that like it just you don't usually get paid in April, you know? Right, right. Well, <laughs> and that's why. So it it looks back on the on the eligibility side it looks back 12 months and it looks at that time frame and then it averages it there's special rules for seasonal businesses i wouldn't really argue that realtors are season seasonal businesses like a typical typical agricultural where maybe there's a four or six month window um but they're going to look back at the last 12 months and they're going to you know of your income and expenses and they're going to come up with a number that side i see is easy easy in terms of you're able to calculate it and it's in the law what, what's not in the law, what isn't very clear is how there's going to be forgiveness for those folks. Not that I want to encourage more agents to get out of the business over this time, <laughs> but if they did say, well, I'm hanging it up anyways, isn't there a way they can get out of the business and collect unemployment? Like now Uber drivers can collect unemployment. Like what are the changes to our unemployment system with this stimulus package? Yeah, that's a good point. I, I had taken notes on this and I'll have to find it, the line that I'm looking for. I think I got it here. Yeah. So historically, unemployment insurance has only been for, for W-2 earners. So somebody who gets a paycheck from their from their company. Um, and uh, the reason they qualify because their employer actually pays in on the employee's behalf, pays into those programs with their wages, pays a percentage of their wages in. So what happens is if they get laid off or fired or whatever, they collect and they collect against what the employer has paid in. And if they collect for a period of time, the employer has to put more money in to cover those, to cover, to cover those wages. Anyways, there, there's a, a provision under the new law that says if you're an individual that's self-employed, and is seeking part-time unemployment, but you don't have sufficient work history or otherwise qualify for regular unemployment, you now qualify. And that's for people like realtors, uh, gig workers like Uber drivers and things like that. Historically, they've never qualified for under unemployment. They now qualify. So, you know, it, 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 the, I guess what you have to say is business is down or I'm not working, but the caveat is if you you're claim you're unemployed, you have to be applying for employment. That's the, the little caveat for self-employed folks. So, I mean, a lot Thanks. of arguments can be made there in terms of availability of employment, but 
we have Amazon warehouses in state that are, you know, hiring folks. There's a, there's a lot of businesses that are actually, you know, have pivoted or, or are seeing an uptick for various reasons and they're, they're looking for help. Makes sense. If you have a question for Greg Antipoff, CPA, InSource, or with Pat Kenny, financial planner, Barnum Plans, please put them in the comments. Any questions about the, you could even go into the market for what Pat can answer, or obviously this economic stimulus package. Uh, Pat, what are your sure. clients saying right now? I know a lot of you, your clients are business owners. Are they more concerned about the market, more concerned about what this stimulus package might do for them? If you had to weigh uh, those two scenarios, which one are you getting more questions and calls on? So, I mean, you know, probably three to one uh, non-business owner to business owner clients. So, you know, definitely more of the, oh my God, what happened in the last month? I mean, you know, February 19th was an all-time record high in the market. Now fast forward less than barely a month later. And, you know, we're, we're on the way back up. Uh, it's going to be very slow, um, you know, from from everything that we gather and, you know, again, obviously personal opinions to a certain degree, this is going to be very much more a U-shaped recovery. This is not going to be a sharp V where we plummet like crazy and we just run right back up. There's, there's so many unknowns still because we really haven't solved the cause, right? We don't have a vaccine. We don't have effective treatment yet. So the, the underlying problem, which is the COVID-19 illness, is still here. We, we have figured out how to band-aid some of the economic side of it. But the underlying problem remains. We, until we can figure out how to get that part resolved, we're not going to move back up with any kind of level of comfort. So, I mean, I'm spending a lot more time talking about uh, why diversification was so important. Um, you know, overall, yeah, there's there are statistics out there that we can link after where uh, if you were in a traditionally diversified 60-40 portfolio at the time of all this, when the market lost at its high point just over 30%, a regular 60-40 portfolio was down about half of that. So having uh, not just active managers, because I'm not necessarily saying that's the part, but being someone uh, who, who is invested in a broad swath of things and, and more diversified will definitely soften some of this blow. Uh, it's a lot more of those conversations. The, the conversations I am having with business owners have actually been, uh, I don't want to say reassuring, but like have been kind of a, a positive injection because a lot of people, and I think you guys are running into this, uh, we're seeing a lot of places that you guys have talked to that have made these amazing pivots into something else where I have so many people that I've talked to that are business owners that have employees, whether it's one or, or 30, that their priority is those employees and not just saying it, but like actually proving it, keeping them on the books, you know, uh, doing things that are outside the norm, maybe outside of their general course of day-to-day -day business and pivoting that business to do something to keep those people going. Uh, a lot of places that I know, I'm sure you guys have, have run into the same thing. There are businesses that I know right now that are just breaking even. Like they're not, they're not making any money by any means, but they're just doing what it takes to keep cash flow neutral so that money comes in and then pays out to those employees so you don't have to lose them. I mean, you look at the cost of retraining an employee. You know, if someone has to leave, they have to go off the books now, and maybe you're paying them a thousand bucks a week, whatever that is. Um, they have to go because they, they're, they're, you can't afford to pay them. So they have to leave. They go on employment. They do all that stuff. We don't know how long this is going to last. You know, we're talking April 30th. It's a stay in place order at the least. Um, you know, so if we're that far out, the average person, I mean, I think there's some, there's, I think the stat is something like 68% of, of the American employees or American workers live paycheck to paycheck. They can't go until April 30th. They don't have the means to do that. So they have to do something else. 
But by then, you now your business has been dramatically impacted as a business owner, and then you have to hire them back, assuming you have a business to hire them back to. So a lot of these moves and these pivots and, and the amount of my clients that are business owners and, and people in the community that we talk to, just like you guys talk to, that have moved into this completely different business model just to keep the doors open. Well, the, the drive-through is open because they're not really doing doors open. Um, but you know, it's been really, really actually positive. It's been pretty impressive to see that. And I think stuff like being able to write off payroll and grants yeah. kind of things, I think kind of shows the strength of, of, of who we are as a, as a community and as a country. It's been extremely refreshing to see small business owners just completely pivot overnight and make do, make more with less, right? Make well, do I think with what the they ones got. That can pivot though. I think we need to keep that yeah. in mind because there are yeah, and there's that. there's some that haven't been able to pivot at all because of the situation that that they're in. So every everybody's going going through it for sure. If you're just tuning in to the stream, uh, here's what we're gonna do. We did have a question, but it was it was. Uh, Amy, our friend Amy Stefanowski, she asked me, was, was that rhetorical? I can only imagine what I said that was. Oh, you were talking that, about who's going <laughs> to pay this back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> was that rhetorical? <laughs> All right. Uh, um, but if you got a question about the, the stimulus package or any of the markets, whether it's the financial market or the real estate market, uh, Greg obviously is a CPA, Pat's a financial planner, myself and Nicole our real estate salespeople. If you got any question, the next three questions three. that get asked, we're going to donate three gift cards to the giftcardproject.com. Those gift cards are coming from service station equipment from Martin McKinney, who sponsors real estate radio. He bought a bunch of gift cards this week. We didn't get to give them all away on the radio show. When we started this conversation, we still have a bunch. So we'll donate three to the gift card project for the next three questions that come in that are based around any of the markets or the stimulus package. So uh, next three questions, gift cards from service station equipment that were all bought on, on local restaurants up and down the shoreline. He's got sneakers, gift cards, Brewett City. I, you guys never been to Brewett City. Fabulous little pub, uh, pub up in JC. We've got gift cards, grass and bone, Amarone's. We got gift cards everywhere. Uh, so we can donate three of those to the gift card project for the next three questions, whether it's for, again, real estate, or finance, or having to do with this this stimulus package. Uh, is there anything, Greg, that we've missed in the stimulus package in terms of, we talked about SBA, we've talked about the, the family and the single recipient. What else is wrapped into this stimulus package outside of individuals and small businesses getting checks? Yeah, so uh, a couple of things I'll touch on. In terms of housing, so this is advice I'm giving to my clients right now who can't pivot, to Nicole's point. Um, my barber, my wife's hairdresser, they were forced to shut down and there's very little they can do to pivot besides starting some sort of online business teaching, you know, people how to cut their own hair or fix, touch up their roots or something like that, well, which that folks are doing. Maybe coming very yeah, I mean, folks are pivoting like that. But to my point is, what I'm telling them is, is, is for the folks who can't pivot, your number one job right now is to get on the phone with your creditors when you're sitting home and say, hey, I can't make my mortgage payment. I can't make my car payment. Look at all that unnecessary spending, all those recurring charges you have going on. You're probably not going to want to get rid of the Netflix right now, but everything else can probably go. Um, so, but with that, any of the federally backed mortgages, you can request up to 360 day for, uh, um, you know, forbearance on that, or forbearance, I should say. Um, so that's something you should be doing. If, if you are truly unemployed right now, get on the phone. If you have one of those federally 
backed. The other is student loans. Uh, student loan payments have been suspended for six months. So two things here. For a lot of people, that's a huge chunk of money that if you're unemployed that you don't have to pay. Um, at the same time, it's not earning interest right now. So if you are able to pay it, it's a great way to, to, to accelerate that, that debt reduction process right now, because if you're making that normal $500 payment on that student loan, it's going to go a lot farther right now than it typically would. Um, so that's, that's something to keep so in mind. So if you're still that, paying normal amount, uh, no interest is being calculated during these six months. Correct. Yeah, so if so you got you, the money you want to pay. Yeah. If you have the money, I mean, keep paying it or, you know, if you want to, if you don't know, stop paying it for a little bit and put that money aside. And, you know, before I think September 30th is the date they're using, you know, if, if, if we're out of, if we're in the clear and you're, you know, happy and healthy, take some of that money and sock it away while you can take a, you know, a good amount at the, at a principal. Um, so that's one of the things that I'll help every, uh, a lot now, of can people I just ask a quick question there. Cause obviously, um, especially like on the mortgage side, you know, there's so many questions about, you know, sort of like deferring the payments or, or doing that it, it, in that situation, is there going to be a lump sum that's going to be required at the end then? Or, cause that seems to be sort of, you know, everyone thinks like, Hey, I don't have to pay this or I get to pay a, a smaller portion, but there could, is there a potential for there to be, then you owe the six yeah. months at the end? Yeah. So that's a really great question. Uh, what I'm reading on the federally backed, so we're talking about Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, HUD, the, the VA loans. So on that sort of stuff, it's saying that no additional fees, interest, or penalties can be assessed for the forbearance. So during that time, uh, there shouldn't be an assessment. Now, what I've heard is for people who don't have a federally backed, the, the advice I've been giving was what I said before, get on the phone with them. Some of them are, are playing ball and some of them aren't. Some are saying, yes, we'll give you three months, but come come July, you're going to have you know three months worth of payments to pay. Or we're not, we'll allow you not to pay right now, but the interest is, is still accruing, which, um, you know, it's it, if you don't have the money to pay, you you don't have the money. But yes, some are, are being a little bit more lenient right now. And again, to Byron's point earlier, we don't know where we are in this cycle. It's not like we can say, hey, we're halfway there right now, right? We just have to stick it out for another 30 days. So, you know, is this the last stimulus package? You know, if, if we do do 30 days and everybody stays at home and we get through this, maybe. But if not, you know, there's probably going to have to be other stimulus to keep people um you know, encourage them to stay home, but be compensated for doing so. Right. All right. We got a question for Pat, my boy, Raja. What's up, brother? Uh, for, for a 401k, what are your suggestions uh, for diversification? Oof. Love when Raja throws the questions at me that literally have no universal answer. <laughs> um, so uh, lots and lots. Buy real estate. Self-directed 401k, right, Greg? What's that? You can't buy real IRA. estate in a self-directed 401k, correct? Well, actually, I don't like real estate in a. It's a whole. That's a whole nother hour. Right, but, thing. Go ahead, Pat. Answer the question. Yeah, go ahead. That's a whole, that's a whole different fight that Greg on. and I can have. No. Um, so listen, I mean, there's, there's, right. So there's lots of, lots of different rules. Right. Number one, it depends on what you make, uh, how much you're able to save, how old you are, what your goals are. So there's not really a generic answer to that. It also is going to matter on who your provider is, right? Because you only have what most 401k type plans uh, are only give you a menu of options to pick from. You can't go buy Apple directly inside of a 401k, generally speaking. Uh, you usually have to pick from the funds that are available inside the menu. The funds are, are available. They're picked by whoever is administering the plan. 
So back to the previous point, if you if you are doing self-directed, then there's lots of different things you can do. But from an overall kind of, there is no, sadly, there's no generic answer. Um, it's definitely something you want to work with somebody on. Uh, if your 401k provider does have a planner available or planners available as a service, definitely recommend you call them, give them kind of a snapshot of who you are and what you're doing. They should be asking you lots of questions before they make a suggestion. Uh, it's kind of like saying, what's the perfect house for me? Um, or, hey, Greg, how much do I need to save in taxes? There's so many other pieces that you have to have first before you can really answer that. Uh, unfortunately, it, it's very difficult to just kind of go, you should have X, um, but definitely make sure you're working with someone, uh, especially now, right? You know, right now, um, again, back to the 60-40 mix we were talking about before, um, there are, uh, we've actually in the last 30 days, the generic 60-40 split if you had 60% in equities and 40% and more bonds or fixed income, if you just left that alone, your allocation has changed dramatically in the last 30 days anyway, uh, because of the way that the markets have really beaten up equities. Um, so we're going to see the next today and tomorrow are going to be very interesting because at the end of the quarter is usually when the big institutional uh, lenders, I'm sorry, institutional owners start to rebalance their portfolio. So like the Harvard $55 billion endowment, those kind of things, you start to see reallocate back to what they were supposed to be in because, you know, throughout the course of the, the quarter, the market will fluctuate and change. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see today and tomorrow. I'm just looking now. If, it's, uh, if it is a self-directed, oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. So he said it's self-directed. I mean, again, it's going to matter, Raj, on how old you are, what you're making, what your goals are, how much you need to spend in retirement. Uh, much more of a one-on-one -on -one question, which I'm, I'm happy to answer one-on-one -on -one for it, anybody, but yeah, and 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 if we were going to be super generic, would would getting like you know some type of index fund? I know there's a ton of index funds out there, but would having a portion of your 401k wrapped up in an index fund make some sense? Or Pat, I know you can't answer a lot of questions it, because it of the guidelines in your industry. I mean, it could. I might be I might be pushing you a little too far there, but. Um, Byron, are three bathrooms better than two? Who knows? Yes, I don't know. That's yes, they are. Not not when there's no toilet paper. Good point. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not now. You're right. You got to pull out with so, And I, I don't know if Pat has has uh, been able to dive this far deep into the new tax law, though. There are things that uh, provisions that have some effects on retirement accounts. One of them is that you can take up to a hundred thousand dollar distribution um, from your retirement oh. accounts and not pay the 10% penalty, which you normally pay if you're under the age of 59 and a half. And one really cool thing about it is you actually have the ability to pay it back over three years. Most of the time when you take advantage of those programs or unfortunately, if you have to take money out, um, it, it, I discourage it generally. And I, Pat necessarily can't give his opinion because of his uh, you know, disclaimers. But my point is, I, the more we allow people to touch their retirement accounts and take money of that, you're, you're starving your future self. So I generally don't like to encourage that. But the reason I like this program is that you have three years to actually be able to put that money back in, which is really nice. Now, granted, if you take it out now, you might miss the upside of the potential market if, if that's where it's heading. Um, but also, you know, you do have that availability. So that it's really nice if you for whatever reason, have to take advantage of that. Um, the other provision is uh, if you borrow against your 401k, I believe, Pat, and you may be able to confirm this, I think normally you can borrow up to $50,000 as a 401k yeah. loan. They've increased mm -hmm. that up to 100,000, a couple other technical things there. Um, and also, if you are somebody who is older and you have required minimum distributions, those are being suspended for the 2020 year, um, which could actually be a good thing for somebody who 
has required minimum distributions, but doesn't really need to take them because uh, if you're taking those distributions now, it's going to take a larger hit on your portfolio to distribute that, and you're going to lose out on that power once the market starts to go back up. So not having to take that money out is really beneficial this year, in my opinion. I'm not a financial planner, but I always thought taking a loan against your for your own 401k is better than taking a loan somewhere else because you're paying yourself your own interest. But again, I'm not a financial planner, so that could be the worst you know, advice <laughs> I just gave of all time. You'd want to talk to somebody... Uh, like Pat or but, well, financially, I think situation. it makes yeah. Financially, I think it makes sense. However, it doesn't take into account the factor of risk, which is if you happen to lose your employment, your employer during that time period, you have a period of time you have to pay that back. Otherwise, that entire amount is considered a distribution, and you don't have the ability to put it back in. You then have to realize it as that income on your taxes and a number of other things. So there is a risk factor there, even though financially it might be better than than borrowing from the bank or something. Yeah. You know, well, yeah, and then you go back to you know the cost of money, right? Where what does it cost to borrow money? What are you missing by taking the money out of your four hundred one k in terms of right. uh, of a market? There's a lot of there's a lot of moving parts to that. Um, but generally speaking, yeah, I mean, I think. Yeah, we we usually ask planners very much, you know, financial side versus Greg and tax side. Generally speaking, the last place we would recommend anything that you try to rip money out of is usually some sort of a retirement account, especially an employer 401k plan. I mean, again, very lots of different situations, but generally speaking, yeah. Raja, great question. Uh, So that's one gift card over to the giftcardproject.com. Next two questions, we're going to donate gift cards. We've got a whole bunch of gift cards that Martin McKinney and Everybody over at Service Station Equipment bought for us. We started giving some away on the radio show on Saturday. We've got some left over, so we want to donate those gift cards that we have to some lo- from local restaurants. We've got Brewett City Pub. We've got Sneakers, Amarones, uh, Grass and Bone. We've got a whole bunch of different gift cards. We're going to donate three of those to thegiftcardproject.com. Uh, so the next two questions, we'll donate two more gift cards over to the gift card project. And if you've got a question put it in the comments below. Uh, it could be anything about any of the markets or the stimulus package uh, that was just released last week. Greg, last week, 3.3 million people filed for unemployment. They expect that number to continue to rise. That was a record last week, by the way, an all-time record in one week. And that number should keep going up, or that's the projections right now. I already saw today that there was talks. We haven't even gotten, nobody's even gotten a check yet from the $2.3 trillion stimulus package. And I'm already seeing today that there's talks of another stimulus package. Do you think there's another package on the horizon? I, I think the, um, I, I think there is, um, because I, I think we're going to know more tomorrow. The president last night teased out this uh, keeping everybody sort of in place, quarantined. I don't want to use the wrong word, but uh, until until the end of April. And uh, I think they made that decision based on some statistics. They're, they're really looking at the data now. Uh, they're supposed to formally announce that tomorrow, Tuesday. So I think when we have some of that information, it may give us an idea of where we are in this progression. Um, that's really going to, you know, we don't know how far into this we are and how much longer there is, uh, you know, some of these laws, and Byron, and you, you and I talked about this off air, is that a lot of the laws that are being passed, these, this is now the third package of, since we've been in COVID, 
they're trying to get them passed as far as, as fast as they can. But once it actually becomes law, it's almost too late at that point because what we're doing has, is, you know, has uh, progressed too far. So, you know, people are going to be out of work for a while now. And this one-time stimulus payment may not be enough. The, the you know, X number of months for unemployment, getting a lot of background noise from somebody. Yeah, yeah that that was, I don't know if you guys could hear that noise before that. That was, was, was that the nuts. is it is that the Keurig? You guys need a new one over there or something? I don't know what it is, <laughs> but I think it's so, the fridge. Unfortunately, so I think the focus, so I think there might be another package, but I think the focus is if you're somebody who does qualify for unemployment, thinks you're gonna qualify, thinks you're gonna need it, apply now, especially in the state of Connecticut, the software system they're using is something like 25 or 35 years old was not designed to handle this volume. Um, they were actually in the process of replacing it, won't be done till next year. But my point is they were going from a couple day turnaround to I was on a call with the Department of Labor last week. And based on last week's numbers, it was gonna be three weeks to process claims. I'm sure this week has at least doubled if, if not you know, some other exponential factor in terms of people that are now filing for unemployment. So if, if you are somebody who meets the criteria, which essentially is anybody who's not working right now, I would encourage you to, to apply sooner than later. I've got some friends. Uh, I have a friend I'm thinking of right now, Mohegan Sun uh, employee that maybe three weeks ago filed because, you know, they were they were out pretty early on there. Still, no doubt, Greg. Right. Zero dollars. Yeah. It's uh, like. It, like I said, it, it's all, all of this is to use the word that's being thrown out all over the place, but all of this is unprecedented. So we're dealing with things, things that we've never had to deal with before and things on a scale that we've never had to deal with before. So, uh, you know, a lot of the infrastructure just isn't built for, for the, you know, the, but the money is coming. It just, it just be, might be delayed. Yeah, the money is there. And in fact, so part of the unemployment provision, one is that basically everybody qualifies for it. Uh, meaning there's there's not a limited pool. Basically, if you're out of work and you're, you're a gig worker, or you were employed through W-2 or other means, you, you qualify. And what the federal government has come in and said is, in addition to whatever you'd normally qualify, and it's different for every state, and they have a whole bunch of equations they use. In addition to that, the Fed is saying, we're going to pay you an additional $600 per week on top of whatever the state calculates. Um, so, you know, and that's going to be for four months. So essentially, people should be made whole, for lack of a better term, for at least a four-month period if they're out of work for that long. Greg, this question is also yeah, for true. you. Uh, what will the tax implications be for people who would be getting this uh, stimulus bump, those paychecks, those $1,200 checks, uh, or even the SBAs you know, that are getting this loan that is going to be forgiven? What are the tax Im implications on both, and will that be due in 2021? Yeah, so we'll look at this for actually three different categories. So if you um, if you get the SBA loan and it's forgiven, that will not be included as taxable income to the business. It will be forgiven. The portion that is forgiven um, will not be uh, considered income to you. So that's for the businesses. For the individuals receiving the stimulus checks, those will also not be included in your income for income tax purposes. So you will not pay income tax on that. Now, in the third category, the unemployed who are collecting unemployment, that is, those unemployment payments are subject to income tax, just as if you would be getting a paycheck. So my tip there is there's a box you check when you're filling it out, asking if you'd like them to withhold taxes from your unemployment payment. I would highly encourage you to do that. 
Um, or at least know that that money is going to be taxable. If you need every dollar you can get right now and you choose, just know down the road there is going to be a tax liability there. All right, great question. So that's two. Is that two? Can I One count? More. One more just popped in. Two gift cards going over uh, to the giftcardproject.com. Again, Service Station Equipment, who sponsors Real Estate Radio, bought, bought a bunch of local gift cards to the restaurant. We're pulling from that pool. We're taking three gift cards from local restaurants. We got Sneakers, Brewett City Pub, Amaroni's, and Guilford, a whole bunch of gift cards. I think those are going to be the three. We're going to take one of those three each, dump it into the pool over at thegiftcardproject.com. We've got our third question. So, boom, we've hit it. Three gift cards are heading over to thegiftcardproject.com. Encourage you guys, obviously, to go check that out and check out the causes that these gift cards are going to. It's a two for one, as I like to say. All right. Next question. When do you start getting paid for this unemployment? We, I, I had just mentioned to you, Greg, I got some friends that haven't received their dough yet. So uh, do you start getting paid the day you file or does it go back to the day that you stop working? Where, where does that date start of, uh, of the money? So my understanding is historically, you would file when you stop working and there was a one week grace period where I think essentially for a week you would be unpaid. Um, they have waived that one week. So that's the, the law or the rule. Essentially you should start getting paid. My understanding is from when you file the practical side of this is, is that's when you qualify the actual logistics of them distributing your, the payments to your point, Byron, we don't know, there's just a, a backlog of, of processing these and um, for a whole number of reasons based on the technology, you know, a lot of these state offices that, you know, they only had a certain amount of staff that was working on this. Some of them are now working from home and they actually need a lot more people than even what they started with. So they're, they're taking people from other departments and trying to get them trained up on how to process these applications. So unfortunately, you know, you qualify for essentially my understanding is from the day you file when you will actually start seeing the money um, that that's unknown right now. Yeah, I mean, we're asking for, you know, we have an infrastructure system that it, the all time historical record for unemployment claims in a week was 650,000 prior to last week. That's the so high that was in the eighties, right? If I'm, if I'm correct, was that in the eighties? Uh, I think it was actually even part of that, but it's, you know, we're, I'm sorry. I think you were in 86, 87, but like yeah. 650,000 and you multiply that fivefold on an infrastructure system that to be honest with you is probably still from the eighties, at least in Connecticut. Um, you're just, you're not like there's, it's not that you won't be eligible or, or there's any kind of, it's just literally there, you know, it's a fire hose problem. We, we have all the water pressure in the world and we have a, a regular home faucet trying to get it out the other side. It can only go so fast. Yeah. And certainly recently we haven't had a strain on unemployment. So you can imagine there's probably less people assigned to that role on all these state levels, right? Because yeah. across the board, we've had a lot of jobs and we've, we've a lot of people were hiring as of three weeks ago. Last week, 3.3 million people. Are there any early projections, Pat, that you've seen uh, for numbers for this week? Are they, has anybody put a projection out there? Uh, I haven't seen anything in terms of anyone who's willing to stand behind, you know, a particular number. Um, there are 